The Batman movie was fine, dude. It was fine. I just... I just thought it would be more fun. I don't know. It was like a Marvel movie with none of the, uh, comedy. I don't think I laughed once. I don't think I counted a single joke in the whole movie. I mean, even if it's supposed to be a brooding detective drama, they did a bad job at that. In my mind, if you have a great detective Batman and a villain named The Riddler, you should have, like, funny, not funny, but fun, like, you know, like Sherlock. Or what's that one with Daniel Craig where he solves a mystery? Knives Out. I thought it should have been like Knives Out, like Sherlock, the BBC series, just like fun and funny. And welcome to the Zero Credits Supplemental Reading of 2022's The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves. My name is John. And my name's Humorous Henry. And uh, that was a quote from uh, some asshole on Twitch. I don't know what his name is. (laughs) Just uh, people out there with full-on Marvel baby brain. Just We're going right to the the, the top, the cream of the crop critics. (laughs) Yeah, we are going for the the best critics we can possibly find. Some dickbag with coiffed hair who streams video games for a living. Uh, If you haven't been to a zero credits supplemental reading before uh me and my friend henry discuss um it's supposed to be like all art but it's just turned into movies and it used to be movies that are important and now it's just kind of whatever we want to talk about but ostensibly we consider them to be important or at least fun uh, and we do discuss the movies in their entirety uh, so be forewarned, nothing but spoilers from here on out. So go watch the Batman in a theater if you're comfortable, pirate it if you're not, and then uh, resume the episode. So the Batman, directed by Matt Reeves. Uh-huh. What a movie, huh? What a movie, huh? <laughs> this is uh this is what a, a great movie, huh? <laughs> what a what a movie. Uh, typically on these things, we don't like to go through the plot in sequential order, which is helpful to me because I haven't seen the movie for two weeks. I thought I'd have a lot more free time, uh, to watch it a second time, but this boy saw it on opening night. I saw it uh, a week later on a, just a Friday and, uh, that's all I got to say about (laughs) that. Well, I don't know why we're talking about when we saw it. I saw it. I saw it a couple of days ago. You saw it two weeks ago. I think between the two of us, we have perfect recall of yeah, every I, detail of the movie. I remember the long details. You remember uh, the short details. But let's just kind of get into yeah. it. Uh, now, I just I do want to say up top, uh, kind of like our Fast Ten supplemental reading. We don't have any notes. Uh, yeah, we yeah. we don't have any notes because we saw this in a movie theater chain that would have ejected us if we took notes. Right. So we couldn't take any notes. So we're go- kind of flying off the seat of our brains, and uh, so it might not be as organized or as as detailed as other supplemental readings. But hey, that's what you get when you do the supplemental readings before they're out on digital release. I mean, hopefully this will be a little bit better than our uh, Fast Ten. It's was Fast Nine. Fast Nine. I'm an fast idiot. Saga. Sorry, I've been reading Fast Ten news all week. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit better than that because that was our first time in person in the middle of a pandemic. It was yeah. there was a lot going on. We were screaming over each other. Mostly, I was screaming. I just okay. I want to applaud Mr. Matt Reeves on a number a number of areas. Um, mainly that he's from the get go. He plays with our expectations of a Batman film. Mm-hmm. Just from the opening shot, the opening shot being 
through the eyes of like a night vision scope kind of thing, looking into an ostensibly rich person house and watching a family kind of like connect with each other on Halloween night. My expectations was, oh, the Wayne family, right? No, absolutely. When when you're seeing that happen, like clearly this is setting up the uh, kind of mythological tragedy that we have ingrained in our in our like social consciousness of Batman's parents being murdered. The the pearls, oh, they're going everywhere. The gun, it shoots. The, the, yes, the, the often time reminisced about on this show, Zack Snyder's slow motion scene with the, the bullets and the pearls that we've seen countless times before and we don't need to see again. Yeah, absolutely not. And in fact, I think that this speaks to something that this movie does really well in general as a theme is that it's not... Uh, you can correct me on this if you disagree. It's not important what happened to Bruce Wayne's parents and his almost the entirety of the existence of the Batman comics isn't important in terms of their like literal story. Right. What's important when you read a comic book when they're good or when you watch a comic book movie when they're good, which is increasingly rare is what they're doing is commenting on the existence of this mythology. They're not retelling it. They are telling it to you through a different lens and, and showing you the, the ways in which this mythology can kind of enhance their thesis Mm-hmm. rather than literally showing you Batman's parents die. Not to say that Zack Snyder right. isn't an incredible non-literal director. <laughs> no, I, th- this comic book movie, The Batman, does something that other comic book movies seem to be afraid of doing, and that's alluding to parts of this mythos without directly showing us them. Mm-hmm. And in some way, exploring angles of the mythology uh, or this origin story that certainly exist in the character, but sometimes we don't like draw the obvious dots. And an example of this is Batman discovering, not discovering, but just seeing the child of the murdered mayor Mm -hmm. and kind of reliving everything he went through, through this not orphan, but fatherless kid. And and you can just kind of feel in these, these longing shots of, of Batman staring at this kid. It's like, I can, you know, I got to do better for this kid than anyone did for me. I mean, I think that this goes to the strength of the screenplay, which is written by someone else and Matt Reeves, uh, but also the directorial choices of Matt Reeves. Also, I think the cinematographer for this movie did Dune as well, uh, which certainly feels like it sometimes. Uh, But I think that even if you as a viewer, had absolutely no idea what Batman's deal was, the movie gives you more than enough information to surmise that. So they they didn't shut out people who, for some reason, like, have a special tumor that makes them forget everything about Batman. Like, this movie tells you everything you need to about the origin of Batman without literally showing it to you because it spends more time of its considerable runtime showing you why right. it's why it's important to have that context. I th- yeah. I, I think more so than any other Batman movie, this the Batman movie is very, very interested 
in an, in investing time exploring the character of the Batman. Yes. So instead of doing a laundry list or a checklist of, of important plot points that need to be in any Batman movie, we get to explore that same checklist, but through emotionally through character moments and character decisions. And, and there's the actions of Batman slash Bruce Wayne. And I think it's also interesting that this movie really leans heavily on exploring to your point, the character of the, it's not so much a Bruce Wayne movie as it is a Batman movie as it, as it's a movie about not only Batman's reasoning, but also his methodologies and, and his growth and his outlook and how that outlook changes over the course of the movie. Yeah, for for sure. And, And like the movie even tells you in plain speak that this is not a Bruce Wayne sort of venture. Uh, by his own admission, he doesn't care about that stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't care if he has nothing because he doesn't need anything other than the Batman. There are these great interviews with Robert Pattinson leading up to the release of this movie. And this is also uh, kudos to everyone who made this movie, where I think they really let Robert Pattinson's vision for the character shine through. Because the way that he's always characterized it in interviews is that he considers Batman a twisted freak. Just like all the villains he fights, which, guess what? Huge theme throughout the Batman comics going back forever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole dichotomy between Joker and the Batman is that Joker's like, we're the same, we're, we're two two sides of the same coin, you know? Yeah, and, and they do a great job of showing that in the first maybe two-ish hours of this movie after they establish like, oh, the bat signals already set up, which by the way, maybe a quick aside, maybe longer. We were characterizing this as a Batman year one movie. And I think that's underselling it. I think this is a fantastic Batman year two movie. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. The movie definitely like Matt Reeves uh, and and Peter Craig by the name, what boys, the, uh, the person, the other person who wrote the film. Uh, they both did a really good job emphasizing this is a Batman Year Two movie uh, by telling again so much is just in your face. They just say that they just say it's his second year. He, mm-hmm. he, they even the camera does a, jo- a good job of lingering on that journal that he that he keeps, uh, and it's like yeah, Year Two. That this is definitely a Batman Year Two film. This is still a very green Batman, but one with enough of the trappings that. We don't need to bother sort of establishing like, oh, how did he get his suit? How did he get his car? How did he get a cave? We don't need to know that stuff. We walk in the movie understanding all of that's established, but we still get to see a very green Batman, a Batman who is just kind of getting the ropes. And ultimately, one of the big themes of the movie, one of the big messages of the movie is figuring out what the Batman is supposed to be for. Yeah, and it's crazy to me because I did not remember that it explicitly states that this is year two of Batman. I just remember from watching the movie that it definitively feels like a Batman year two, which if you read Batman year one, he has his reasoning, but for the most part, like he doesn't have his methodologies in place. He's still like forming this, he's still forming the Batman. And I think by year two, uh, he's, he's settled into this I am vengeance thing and in the first two hours of this movie it does a great job of showing that that approach is read as being a dangerous freak to regular people like right after that initial 
like voiceover narration of the journal entry saying like, oh, the signal is a warning for them. And it shows him going around and being up these people. The one the one person that he ends up saving is fucking terrified of him. Yeah, who it says directly to him, please don't hurt me. Yeah, which, by the way, holy shit, I love the way <laughs> that they chose to show Batman fighting people, which is to say he's slow, plodding, really good at fighting, largely bulletproof, but like just a terrifying psycho. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I think more so than ever... This movie is so aptly name, named uh, because, like, the Batman doesn't feel like a person. Yeah, and, Batman <laughs> sounds like a hero. The Batman yeah. sounds like some freak. Exactly. And this movie does a really good job of depicting that from just having the Batman emerge from shadows constantly so that you can see where the fear from people staring into the darkness comes from because there's no sound until you see him and then it's the heaviest footfalls ever yeah, recorded the in cinema footfalls the creaking of leather and the like weird uncomfortable clanking of his and uh, he's, bulletproof armor yeah just methodically plodding toward you and going to punch you until you fall down and then punch you three more times yes. so you don't get back up i i got to say the 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 something that happens a lot in this movie is and it changes over the course of this movie uh because this movie has like a considerable amount of artistry and it is the usage of like the color red and the motif of fire yes. to indicate like danger or alarm and then eventually spoilers hope right uh but the the way that they cast bullets being Bullets hitting his armor and then, like, filling the screen with these, like, crazy flares as the bullets bounce off of him that are blinding. And it's so scary. Batman will come up to you and he doesn't care if he gets shot. He's going to punch you anyway. Yeah, like, it, it, obviously, some of the pain goes through, but he's not going down. Yeah. So, like, you, you might, like, piss him off. <laughs> Which is worse from you in the long run because, like, his punches. Those gauntlets look like they fucking hurt. I mean, that's something that I feel like even in uh, the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, to a certain extent, they spend so much time focusing on what a completely like brolic physical specimen Batman has become that you lose kind of the credulity when he's fighting people, but like this Robert Pattinson Batman is getting the shit kicked out of him. And only when the armor comes off, you're like, Oh, he's covered in like yeah. cuts and huge bruises and welts from being do, shot with bullets. Right. They, they do a good job again of showing you just everything you need to know. Cause you just, it's just a shot of him walking away with a shirt off and you see the bruises and the cuts and you're just like, Wow. I mean, this is something that I think pretty much every uh, film Batman has done. Is Batman is like a beefcake, other than like Adam West. Well, I don't know. Maybe in the 60s people thought Adam West was a beefcake. I don't know. It was a different time. Uh, But like Michael Keaton, you got the bat nipples. Uh, That was George Clooney. George Clooney, considered a massive beefcake for the time, bat nipples. 
Michael Keaton was considered to be like a physical specimen. Christian Bale, I mean, come on. Transformed himself again, yeah. Absolutely transformed himself. And then Batfleck was like hitting a tire (laughs) with a sledgehammer. Oh, yeah. In between rounds of slamming donkeys. And then you get Robert Pattinson, who once again, uh, coming back to the fact that this movie chooses to cast batman is kind of a creep he's kind of like wormy and sad and injured and pale like he he doesn't you don't want to be this batman no yeah this batman it, it at a time like he still feels very close to the reason why he's doing this but from an emotional standpoint not from like it's not an upholding justice standpoint it's a this city hurt me i want to hurt it back Yes, it's it's out of anger. Yeah, and, and so yeah, he has this line at the very beginning. You know, who are you? And just goes, "I'm vengeance," and like kicks all their asses. And then like everyone, he must have been saying that for a couple of months. The "I'm vengeance" line because he gets thrown back at his in his face time and time again. Uh, you know, Oz Cobblepot, the Penguin, calls him Mister Vengeance, and yeah. Catwoman or Zoe Zoe Kravitz's uh, Selena Kyle uh, calls him you know vengeance. It's like everyone kind of like joking, pokingly and jokingly kind of makes fun of that line uh, because it, it, it's unsustainable. I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think they they do pointedly make fun of it because his his ideology for doing what he does is childish and short-sighted as evidenced by the fact that he's routinely at at death's door by chasing down petty thugs with guns yeah yeah not even the supervillains that will give him real trouble later on yeah for sure yeah this is a very like yeah very young batman who who's emotionally close heck part of his suit this is a cool detail that i really like the the bat symbol on his suit is made up of the gun that killed his parents. <laughs> Wait, what? The the bat the batarang that he can take out of his suit that he uses to cut rope sometimes. Mm-hmm. That is made of the gun that killed his parents. How did he get that gun? That's a great question. You know, future Batman movies will tell. Yeah, because um, it, it seems like nobody knows who killed his parents, but maybe like he dropped the gun at the scene. Yeah, and then little Bruce Wayne is like, well, I need this. Or, you know, they give it to Alfred. <laughs> or, I don't know, maybe he found the guy who killed his parents and killed him. Who knows? That could be. Uh, it would be interesting because, it, it, again, it, does, it seems like there's a bit of a mystery of who it is. Uh, in the comics, it's usually Joe Chill, a random thug. Uh, but, you know, they could be playing with it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a fair number of things they're playing with. But Henry, speaking of the villains that appear later, let's name them. Uh, oh, you mean the ones in the film? Yeah. I really like and hate. Pause for noise. Okay. I really like and hate this Riddler. I have... So I, in preparation for this, I did pour through some reviews to both jog my memory and see what the critical consensus is. And I think that I actually break with the critical consensus okay, on this well, Riddler because I'm pretty split about him. Tell me what the consensus is because I, I haven't read anything. Uh, the consensus is that he's great, terrifying. Paul Dano puts in a great performance. That I agree with. Oh, yeah. Paul Dano acts his ass off. But they, they act like he's this like 
uh, like completely unheard of, unhinged Heath Le- Heath Ledger's Joker style, like revolutionary portrayal of a villain. I don't agree with that really at all. I. It's interesting. The Riddler classically has always been this sort of narcissistic, sort of egotistical intellectual, but at all times usually in control. Yes. And, and what we get in Mr. Mr. Dano's performance, which was superb, I do applaud it, is a bo- like an unhinged, uh, out of control intellectual, you know, insp- th- I really liked inspired by Batman, showing them that a little bit of violence in the right places can, can make a lot of change. But it, it, <laughs> It's just kind of out of touch a little bit in a way that I I never expected to see a Riddler. See, I – what I feel is I think what they tried to do with the Riddler would be a lot better served if in, like, the recordings and the – if whatever, like, the police had access to and whatever Batman saw was him being controlled, scary, like Kevin Spacey and Seven or Jigsaw and Saw kind of like – that would. That would that would kind of give me the Riddler I want. And then I feel like it would make the reveal that to like his Patreon subscribers, he's this like kind of soft influencer type. I think that would have sold that way yes. better. I thought it was kind I thought his performances were obnoxious. Yeah. And not really like fun to watch. It, it I think been, it was a great performance. I just feel like it, it could it have been have, a lot. Of, I yeah. feel like the characterization could have been a lot better. It would have been more er, – it would have been an interesting take to see that opening kind of scene with the Riddler killing the mayor and just the animalistic screeches that comes out of him. Like see that and then juxtapose that against – the videos he releases where maybe he's more composed. Absolutely. If he had that would be really totally cool. controlled – If if you had – if you had surface Riddler, if you had like mass media Riddler where he wants to be totally in control, like a jigsaw saw situation, but you as the viewer knew that he was this animalistic, unhinged weirdo. Yeah. And then in addition to that, you had a third Riddler who was this like fawning Patreon content creator. That would have been a great characterization. That would have been a really cool character dive. Because the motivations for the Riddler is like he wants to be known, he wants to be seen, and he wants to affect change on the city. Yeah. So you you think he would put a lot of thought into his presentation to be sort of calm and collected so that people – maybe he could you know get more even non-radicalized followers. And I feel like to some degree – the creation of this Riddler was in part due to like the like the foaming radicals that I believe some people exist on uh, certain unspecified edges of the political spectrum. Um, but I feel like those aren't the people who are actually dangerous. I feel like the people who are actually dangerous on the far end of the political spectrum are the calm, composed people who who are actually psychopaths uh, right. underneath it all. And kind of to that point, I feel like they didn't really know what they were doing ideologically with the Riddler because his whole thing is like he wants to expose the lies of the city and his reasoning for doing that is cool and valid. 
but it kind of runs into the issue you get in a lot of American media where, yes, he's a crazy conspiracy conspiracy theorist. He's also right like 95%. Yeah, I, I think that's where they bring in sort of the Riddler aspect where he, his hyper-intelligence is focused on just being right about this massive conspiracy that somehow he could uncover and gather the evidence he needed to enact the plan, although he missed the part where it really wasn't Thomas Wayne's fault. Yeah, it it seems... I mean, I feel like they could have gone either way, in that they could have made him wrong about it, which, I don't know, movies don't have to say anything, uh, but they also could have made Thomas Wayne at fault. Uh, I think maybe either one would have been a more powerful decision, because one of the themes of this movie is like, like re-examining our vision of the past and like understanding like our parents weren't saints. They they weren't right. necessarily good people. The past is not necessarily something that you need to whole cloth seek vengeance for. Yeah. And one of the lessons that we learn in life is that our parents are not gods. Uh, but if they die early on, you, you don't really get to learn that lesson because you never really get to see them as human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this is something that uh, Bruce Wayne, Batman, really struggles with during the film uh, as he learns more about sort of the ugly side of his parents and he struggles with it. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, yeah, they weren't perfect, but they still stood for good. Yeah. And who knows if Thomas Wayne would have lived, maybe that rebuild Gotham fund would never have been extorted in quite the way it was. Yeah. There's definitely some ambiguity there. And it's also, largely left up to the viewer's imagination if it is something that thomas wayne if he did like order a hit or if it was a genuine misunderstanding like you know the only thing you can go off of is hearsay from other people right the the words of john totoro's uh falcone which yeah well pretty good falcone all things considered john totoro love to see him (laughs) it's really funny because i have this specific brain problem where i see a movie And you know when you have, like, an actor's name on the tip of your tongue? I could not think of John Turturro's name. (laughs) And every once in a while, my brain would go, Johnny Flash? No. (laughs) Josh Scigliari? No, it can't be that. (laughs) It was really hard for me to remember John Turturro's name. The mnemonic device I always remember, and I think I might have been you who jokingly said it, is my neighbor Totoro. (laughs) Oh, that'll do it. (laughs) Man, I wish I'd remembered that. It was really fascinating seeing him at first with the sunglasses and going, well, he looks like John Totoro, but there's no way they would have gotten him because he's not that menacing. And then (laughs) later the glasses come off and you recognize him and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and Dude's then menacing AF. He's actually very menacing. Very, very menacing. I really like the calm, you know, uh, slow-spoken sort of just like the the really good mob boss, enemy or villain type. You never see him lose his cool mm-hmm. at, because he controls everything. He doesn't need to get angry because people know what's what's going to happen if they fail him. Like it, that's. That's really cool to see. Yes. Especially in a Batman movie. I, I think going back to the Riddler a little bit, uh, liked Paul Dano. I thought Paul Dano without the Riddler costume was way more intimidating than him with the Riddler costume. Uh, which 
I thought him like singing Ave Maria was a little silly uh in the jail cell but otherwise yeah could could he hear the soundtrack of the movie cuz yeah. Ave Maria was like it played multiple times in the movie I feel like maybe there's a there's an allusion to Ave Maria like playing oh wasn't it like playing in the orphanage or something like for think, real maybe in the orphanage maybe at the funeral uh, for the mayor but it was also woven into the Riddler's yeah. theme throughout the movie. Uh, I thought that was a little silly, but I thought that I thought that when they unmasked him and he was just this kind of like incel looking dude, uh, yeah. I thought he was much scarier. Which, speaking of, that's my other issue with the Riddler, and I swear we'll get off the Riddler in a second. Is it the costume? No, it's not the costume. Okay. It's the fact that I think, I don't know whose head this falls on. But I think that they wanted to communicate a few different things with the Riddler, and it all it ended up kind of feeling like a mess because at first, when the Riddler's message is getting out, and then you see all those people like out in the street with like yeah. the Riddler signs, I was like, "Oh, this is like a QAnon thing." Yeah, like they're they're trying to like make him into this like QAnon type like liar yeah. messiah that whips people yeah. up into a furor and then those people end up like doing crimes. Right. I, I thought that's the way we were going to for a second, but then yeah, you get the soft influencer type. Then you get the soft influencer, which this is where I feel like the real meat of the Riddler lies. Uh, the meat of the Riddler. Uh, I, I think the real meat of this character is in the latter parts of it where you get the soft influencer type where he's talking to his fan base who you realize are just like militant incels yeah the, uh, yeah they're, they're the supposed people, to be like yeah. the the non-sex haver violent assholes from 4chan or whatever or in the people who who exclusively shop at like military surplus stores and they know you know that like yeah the doomsday preppers and the sovereign citizens of the world yeah, I, I thought that was a lot stronger. I don't know. I I feel like maybe lose the people with the signs if you want to say that he has like a vocal small community of people willing to kill for him. I don't know. Right. It, it's still yeah, a good character. You can't, you can't conflate those two groups, right? The people with the protesting signs aren't the same people gunning people down at the end of the movie, right? There's no way. Yeah, they, they have to be different people. And I guess you could make the case that, like, his words getting out there and, like, there are people who are, like, campaigning for his cause. And then, in addition, there are people who are violent armed psychopaths who would kill for him. Right. I don't know. It, it it felt a little weak. I feel like they could have lived more in either camp and had it been more, like, ideologically strong for the character. But it's still a very good character. I I like everything they did with him other than that oh, yeah. and his weird deranged he, yelling that I thought was ostentatious. The the deranged yelling is what I mainly don't like about the character, but everything else, like just the introduction with just the two glints of his glasses. Yes. And then yeah, just appearing he appears like the same way as Batman does. Yeah, he does. He he's the mirror Batman. He's the mirror Batman. Um and, you know, the riddles were great. I really like that <laughs> because he's the Riddler, so that's really good. The cipher was very Zodiac-esque, which uh, I, something I want to touch on is that this, uh, rather than being like an, a straight-up action Batman movie, this was a crime thriller. Absolutely. This is the first Batman movie that leaned very hard on him being the world's greatest detective. 
Right. Yeah, this was like a Zodiac or a Seven. There, there were definitely heavy influences from from those earlier movies. And, and yeah, this is a Batman who doesn't have all the answers, has to piece things out very slowly and methodically and, and gets things wrong about the clues, which is great to see because I don't want to see an infallible hero. That's not realistic, you know? Yeah, I mean, Batman fails. I mean, he fails the most devastating riddles. Yeah. Like the ones that end with Falcone dead, the ones that end with the city getting flooded. I I think a great moment, (laughs) a great moment in this film is when the Riddler, like Batman confronts the Riddler in the cell. And the Riddler's like, hey, look, buddy, we did it. You know, you this whole time we we did this together, you and me. And Batman's like, "Wait, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> we we are." I was trying to stop you. It's like this great disconnect between like, "Wait, no, you inspired me to do this. I thought you wanted this." Like, that's a really cool moment that you then realize the Riddler was never trying to get Batman or stop Batman. He, he was giving Batman instructions. Yeah, he wasn't giving him clues to stop anything. Right. That's a really cool twist. Yeah. No. And, that... and like it's yeah, it's not a twist that uh really affects the movie all that much. It just really just changes the understanding. It's not like a gotcha M Night Shyamalan twist. It's just the events that you had just witnessed you understood in one light, and now there's a new light that you can look through the lens to see. And I mean, the, a concern that I had uh, about halfway through the movie is it didn't really seem like, for the most part, I don't know, the the stakes didn't seem to be exceptionally high for what the Riddler was trying to do. It, for about half the movie, it just kind of seemed like he's trying to expose government corruption, which once you realize that, like, that... It goes through the entire Gotham police force, which, by the way, very cool of this movie to be like the only superhero movie that doesn't worship cops and shows them on the whole as pretty bad people. Yeah. Uh, other that, than the good one, Jeffrey Wright. Right. I mean, that that's typical of classic Batman. Before Commissioner Gordon becomes Commissioner Gordon, when he's just like Detective Gordon... Yeah, he's surrounded on all sides by corrupt cops. Yeah, I think it's it's nice to see, considering uh, most superhero movies just kind of tend to be like pro authority, which read into that uh, what you will. But when I thought that the stakes for what the Riddler was doing were like pretty low, I was like, okay, you know, he's gonna try to. Unveil government corruption and kill a couple people, seven style. No, he floods Gotham and kills hundreds of people. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to have long, devastating effects going forward because Batman could not solve the riddle in time. Like, yeah, Batman in a way, he saves the day a little bit, but ultimately fails. And that is cool as hell. It's very, I mean, by the end of that movie, just first of all, I think the Gotham that they build is really fascinating because the Gotham that existed in the Christopher Nolan movies really wasn't much of a character at all. Uh, And Gotham City definitely is a character in the comic books. 
And in this, it's this weird, like, gothic Blade Runner city that's super empty and dark and alienating. Yeah. It it doesn't feel like a, a good place to exist, which is why it felt very Dune-ish, which is why I guess it makes sense that the cinematographer also worked on Dune. It just feels alien and by the end of that movie Mm -hmm. the character is changed it's flooded there's martial law right yeah no this is the first time gotham city really in my experience feels like a different place and doesn't feel like well this is just chicago or this is just new york by another name like you said it's very alienating it's there's just these stark Time like a Times Square area with these bright electric signs that are literally bolted onto the side of like decrepit buildings. Yeah, it, it's it it's it feels like an electrified corpse. It's really weird. And you know, I got to applaud them for that because that Gotham needs to feel alienating. It needs to feel a little bit dangerous. Because otherwise, you wouldn't tolerate a vigilante running around beating up criminals. I mean, the last time I remember Gotham really having character is Batman the Animated Series, where it was this, oh, yeah. like, towering Art Deco nightmare. Yeah, with the blimps. With the blimps. The, the dirigibles or whatever, yeah. that That's always my favorite depiction of Gotham City. And I think, like... Maybe Joel Schumacher or Tim Burton. One of them tried, but it just came off more cartoonish than sinister. I'm just saying I want a Batman movie where Batman is policing a a flooded martial law Gotham. And we might be getting that. Maybe. Uh, But let's not get there quite yet. Yes, that's enough Riddler. That's enough of the Riddler. Let's circle back to this is the first Batman movie they've ever made. Yes, uh, I I do tend to agree. <laughs> Other Batman movies that they've made, half the Batman in them, don't get me wrong, but they're flashy action thrillers that focus a lot more on beating up criminals than solving crimes. And it's about time we've seen, I, I, we, this is just echoing things we've said in other sections. It's really about, we've been do this. We've been do a Batman who's more thinky than punchy. Although, you know, this has a really good balance between the two. I mean, I I think it does Batman a great disservice that most of movies centering around this character are just like, maybe there's a crime or two or a little bit of footwork spent establishing the character of Batman. And then a villain appears. And then that's like the single issue that Batman cares about. And sometimes that villain has goons uh, but that is not and kind of has never been what Batman comics are. And in fact, I I don't really think a lot of superhero comics are as simplified as we make them in films, but especially Batman. Uh, that's not really what he does. Right. It, it's so interesting because the movies, they, they carry over the ethos of Batman doesn't kill without the entire reasoning behind that ethos is that Batman believes everyone including the most vile people can be saved and rehabilitated and be reintroduced back into the public uh, as you know healthy citizens Mm -hmm. so the end all be all result is Batman cares and he wants to prevent crime not just revenge it (laughs) 
Which, which there's an interesting inversion that happens because, I mean, the thing we learn throughout the entire course of this movie is that this instantiation of Batman is wrong-headed and wrong in the way he operates and in the way he sees the world. And only by the end of the movie do those things substantially change. But in the first few bits of narration, they say like, since Batman has started, crime went up. Right. Like he, he is not deterring crime by being like a, a violent, vengeful spirit only by having hope and compassion and being like, only in being like wholehearted does batman actually like become the batman we want him to be this batman's bad it's a bad man he's a bad batman but both in just his methods and his he's just rough around the edges which i can really appreciate i really loved him diving off the the tower of the police office what do they call those police station yeah (laughs) diving off the tower of the police station and like gliding down almost making it just a fall on his fucking face oh it's so good and, and like nobody comments on it it's never brought up again and he just kind of you know weakly limps off into an alleyway because both of his ideals and his methodology I, I think that scene is endemic of like he is he's not thinking things through enough yeah he, i mean he, 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 he's he's the point of so when a butterfly emerges from its chrysalis and it like wobbles around on the ground, that's what he's doing. Yeah. He, he's in a, he's in an intermediary stage where he knows what he wants, which is vengeance. And he knows, he knows how he's going to do it, which is violence, but he doesn't actually have like any long-term plans or real like methodology or ideology behind what he does. Yeah. And I think it's through the conversation he has with the Riddler where he realizes the Riddler is inspired by his his violent tendencies. And, and I don't know, there's more that inspires him to become, instead of hiding in the shadows, standing in the light and offering the help to get people, you know, that, that's that really well shot scene of him holding the flare and leading those children out of the dark. And he is the light and he's leading them forward. That's the lesson that he learns toward the end that he can't just be a vengeant symbol of fear. He also has to be one of hope. And this honestly is the first goddamn Batman movie to understand that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's laid out openly in the opening narration where his perception of the bat signal is that it's a warning for criminals which is like a cool throwaway line but by the end you understand like no what that thing's supposed to be is a beacon of hope for people not a warning to criminals i I, honestly i had to kind of chuckle to myself at just the the, bringing up that line and throwing it away like that because it honestly felt like kind of calling out the chris nolan batman a little bit like oh you can't kill a symbol or an idea but if all that idea or symbol does is create fear in criminals you're only getting half of the equation yeah i i mean i i think that the chris nolan batman well pretty masterfully made movies pretty bad batman right exactly uh but yes i i totally agree the the final shot of him literally being the light that leads people out of the darkness moi uh non-denominational chef kiss also the shot where he uh he uses 
the batarang to cut the electrical wire and falls into the water. Just beautiful. Oh, yeah. What a beautiful collection of shots the last 20 minutes of that movie is. Yes. He, he says, like, a really cool line before that. It's like, you know, he, I think he fully expected to die. He's just like, you know, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, the cool thing about this is it doesn't come from nowhere. The Batman needing to, to stand for hope or, or to save, to be, a a branch of the light. It's just, he's so caught up in his ideals and, in the loss of his parents that he doesn't see what he needs to be, but mm-hmm. we get hints of it through the, the son of the dead mayor, uh, because it's the only the, one of the only times we see him actually save someone without violence is in the funeral scene. Yes, and he he makes he hears the car, he hears the engine revving up in the distance, and his first instinct is to look at the the son of the mayor. And as soon as the car comes charging to the crowd, he's there saving him. Yeah, so he, he it's wrapped up in his like I can never let anyone go through what I went through kind of thing like the the selfish aspect but it's there like we get a hint of it there and then through everything Batman goes through throughout the course of the film it then bubbles out to the surface and he's like all right I got to help these fucking kids <laughs> yeah like that that's Batman's thing right like when he saves that kid he's not saving that kid's life he just doesn't want anyone to suffer like he'd suffered exactly like he wants to help people even if in his current like malformed version of that it's just beat people up and make everyone scared of you exactly like that's the one th- that I can remember the one thing he does sort of and he doesn't even do it as Batman Mm-hmm. But it's the one heroic thing he does without violence in the film. Yeah. It's a, it's a good Batman. What can I say? Yeah. What can you say? Uh, Zoe Kravitz. Great. Catwoman was in this film. <laughs> Catwoman. I mean, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about Batman Riddler. Catwoman was in this. Zoe Kravitz is great. Yeah. I, great Catwoman. Good She's Selena got a lot Kyle. of cats. She got a lot of cats. She likes strays. She likes strays. I gotta say, two favorite lines of this movie. Number one, thumb drive. Uh, number no. two, you got a lot of cats. Yeah, a lot of cats. Uh, so, okay. Briefly, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to Catwoman. But briefly... We're never going to op- go back to Catwoman. We're never going to go back to Catwoman. Briefly, uh, that opening little critique that you read, with like, I don't think I remember a single joke or whatever. One thumb drive I mean, was... A hilarious joke. That it's absolutely wrong because this movie was really funny. And then two, the scene in the police station where Gordon takes Batman aside and says, "You're gonna have to punch me in the face." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that felt like a Key and Peele sketch. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, I told you to pull that punch. I did. Very yeah. funny. Is that there... whole prolonged scene with the penguin where they're yeah. trying to like real time figure out this riddle and the penguin doesn't want to be there and he doesn't know the penguin knows spanish better than yeah that's amazing yeah yeah colin farrell knows spanish unbelievable unrecognizable is the only you search colin farrell the batman the only word you're gonna see come back a thousand times is unrecognizable yeah 
definitely unrecognizable, which, you know, I'm just saying, seems like stunt casting. Why not cast a fat Italian in that role? I'm tired of photogenic, I think, Irish people stealing roles from fat Italians. But he looks fat in Italian. I'm... Pay fat Italian people. Okay, okay. Note taken. Pay them. What is Catwoman doing in the film? Uh, what is she doing? Yeah, what's she doing in the film? She's avenging her friend. Yeah, she's avenging her friend. Without Catwoman, we really don't get Falcone. Okay. And through Falcone, we get resolution on the Thomas Wayne right. thing. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's a a web a, a web of a den of spiders. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but yeah, she's just another branch of the webs that weave all together. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we absolutely need Catwoman in okay. the movie. Uh, that ugh, penguin's great, great penguin. Oh, the scene where you see the penguin for the first time. Batman shoots a guy through the leg with a grappling hook. Oh my god! Ugh. Oh, it's so good. Uh, you want to talk about no jokes? This movie had a recurring bit with the front door of the the forty four below yeah. club. This this had a whole. The problem is, I think people, or at least this person, who I don't give a shit who they are, uh, they they've grown accustomed to movies literally telling you when they're telling a joke by like really selling it. And like that being the only thing that happens and maybe the music cuts out and characters react to it or roll their eyes because we yeah. don't have eyes or ears. We don't have perception. We don't know when a joke happens unless you literally tell us it's happening. Yeah, the same pe- person who wrote that probably really enjoys laugh tracks and sitcoms. <laughs> Finally, I know when to laugh. I know when to laugh. Uh, not, not, I mean, God, I don't understand. Okay, I, I, I got to get off that. Uh, yeah, Zoe Kravitz did a great job. Zoe Kravitz did a great job. I only complain about Zoe Kravitz. That's very small. I thought her little balaclava with the cat ears looked a little silly. I'm like, just straighten uh, it out. I might need to, to re-see that. I don't remember the cat ears on the balaclava. It, like the ear, they weren't full on cat ears. Just the ears were like poked up. A, the, the edges were like poked up a little bit. Uh, yeah. And looked cat-ish. I mean, she is Catwoman. She is Catwoman. She got a lot of cats. Look, she wears a ski mask that has two little points. I mean... I, I thought the eye camera stuff was a little silly. And, like, what is what is largely oh. a low-tech Batman? That... that I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be one of those, this. like, cinema sin shitheads no, that's no, I like, want, I, I do want to talk about this, because I was... It was weird. Okay, look. The... <laughs> Placing this movie in a time period was interesting for me uh, because in the first 30 minutes of the film, you're like, oh, yeah, this is cool, classic, gritty Batman. And then you see the electric signs in the Times Square part and you're like, okay, a tiny bit more modern, just a little bit more modern. And then like you kind of see some of Batman's tech and you're like, yeah, this is kind of grungy, kind of like, yeah, kind of cobbled together. And then someone pulls out a cell phone Mm -hmm. and that threw me off. I, I didn't. Ex- I, they're cell phones. I mean, is is this movie set in twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two? I have no idea. Uh, maybe it. Maybe it's ambiguous. The technology was kind of all over the place. But I'm just saying, for for Batman to seem like so relatively low tech, to have like uh, 
eyeball cameras that have a very large amount of storage yet somehow fit in contact lenses just seems silly okay is it just in relation to when he has catwoman wear them or do you mean for himself too i mean for both i just think it's silly but once again who fucking cares it's a movie that can yeah we're nitpicking now let's talk about a really great introduction of some cool tech yes the penguin the penguin penguin tech. tech penguin tech out of this world he's in the scene i'm talking about yes I think, I, yeah. I think i know what you're talking about yeah the batmobile i rarely does this happen henry i get emotional at movies movies are my fave um but rarely do i get like so giddy that i want to like get up out of a chair like, I get filled with, like, so much nervous energy from giddiness. And when the Batmobile was unveiled, I just... It was so good. Oh, man. It was it, so good. It, we, we, we flipped genres for just a, a couple of minutes. Maybe just one full minute. Because in that moment, when the, the, the engine of the Batmobile is roaring and screeching to life... And we're just panning across the faces of the characters. It's a straight up horror film. Yeah. And honestly, there's like a B horror movie that's happening during this movie because there there's shots. There's like in the background of shots of Bruce Wayne in Wayne Manor or the bat garage or whatever, where you see like a jet engine behind him or like panning shots of him, like repairing the clutch on something. Clearly he's working on something. Right, exactly. Uh, so you get like horror movie like foreshadowing and then when the Batmobile is unveiled, they do something extremely intelligent because the last time you see Bruce Wayne slash Batman for a while is he just runs off and you don't know what he's doing. And then when the Batmobile is unveiled, you don't see him. You only see everything that's happening from the perspective of the characters that the Batmobile is acting upon. Yeah. Because uh, it's shot like a monster. Yes. It, and it's a horror movie where we don't see the monster until it's too late. And yeah. then it's there and it's it's chasing after you. And it's, and there's, it's so, there's nothing you can do. It's so cool because, like, number one, it, like, hunts them like a wolf. Like, it revs up and comes toward them and they start, like, scrambling because they're freaking out. And then also... Uh, it fails to turn over and dies, which is great. Uh, great choice to show that it is still a work in progress and is a shambolic piece of crap, but it's still very scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 false start there. I, you, we can attribute it to just a few things, like either the yeah mechanically something's wrong, or Batman got a little too excited and went too early. <laughs> it, it's possible. <laughs> Maybe he just like revved it too hard and then dumped the clutch or something. Yeah, uh, it, but the effect say? it has because it dies off for just like a second. It's kind of like a, a fake out in a horror film. Yeah, and then it just roars back to life and it's like, oh shit, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, because when it dies, people are like, oh relief, and it ro- it roars back to life and people start running to their respective vehicles. Uh, and the the prolonged chase with the penguin is like the penultimate scene in a horror movie, just like running from this fucking demon. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I have to applaud the trailer um, a little bit. The trailer that I saw in film, uh, in the theater before a film, uh, because I, I thought it was going too far. 
when in the trailer we see the penguin go like, I got you, I got you. And then the, the, the Batmobile comes roaring out of the flames to like do the pit maneuver. The, the, the part I have to applaud is you don't realize in, when you're watching that trailer that that explosion was just people, was just people on a highway. Yes. It, you think it might be like a loading dock or something, you know, like Batman shows up to like stop an, an operation on a loading dock. You know, that scene we've seen a thousand times. Mm-hmm. But that was just straight up on a public highway. Yes. And that is not given away at all by the trailer. And I, I think the trailer does a good job of not giving away too much of the character of the Batmobile. Do you remember when Chris Nolan's Batman, maybe the first one, I don't know, but whenever the the one came out that had the Batmobile in it, people were freaking out about it. They're like, ah, oh, this is a, it's real. They built it from scratch. Look how badass it is. Fuck that thing. Yeah. New Batmobile for life. I really like that it's just a car. It's just a car with a fucking jet engine on it. Yeah. Which is kind of what the Batmobile is. Just in general, it's just a car with a big old yeah. jet engine on the back. I like that it really didn't have any more bells and whistles other than goes fast. Because, again, this is like a really young kind of green Batman. And uh, it's all that needed. All you really need to do is do a pit maneuver. And that kind of destroys that. Why are you trying to outrun the Batman? You know? I, I also adore... A, a lot of credit goes to everyone who designed both the score and like sound editing on this movie, which by the way, score was done by a guy who does Pixar movies. He's like the guy who did up. Really? Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Whoever did sound mixing on this movie mixed the Batmobile so hot. Like it was uncomfortably loud. Yeah. God, I love that Batmobile. Everything about the sound, I don't really know how to talk about sound in movie, but everything about the sound was pretty perfect. Like, yes. It, it Again, there were touches of horror whenever the Batman was slowly moving towards somebody. Like It, it felt like maybe there was just like four notes or so being played over and over again, kind of like mm-hmm. a Jaws kind of motif that just kind of sent chills through your body. Yes. I, I think even that motif... There, there's a decent amount of like light motifs in this movie, like little musical elements that keep reappearing in other characters' themes, like Ave Maria appearing in the Riddler's theme, for instance. And I also think that like the, I almost want to say when the Batmobile revs up for the first time, it revs up, and the engine note is the first note of that like <laughs> four note Batman light motif. I think. I almost want to say it is. Yeah. And of course, great song choices. Something in the way. <laughs> Which I think is like the only song other than Ave Maria that isn't just like original right. on the soundtrack. Yeah. There's only two or so. It's the same song at the beginning and the ending, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a real. I don't I haven't seen that in movies often, but I, I do like the book ends like it ends. It begins how it ends a little bit just with so you can uh, sorry, highlighting the change that the character has gone through. So people who are saying like, oh, I just watched the Batman do nothing for three hours. It's like, well, then you didn't pay attention because yeah. it literally starts and ends the same way, 
highlighting the difference between where he started and where he ended. Like that is, that is like fiction writing 101, you know, let me draw you a diagram of the journey the character went through. (laughs) I just like the story. I just like to imagine the guy who's like, the ending shot of the movie was similar to the first part of the movie. That means the character didn't do anything. Right. Exactly. (laughs) They should be in Africa. They should be in a different country. Well, and, and that's so, the only way I know time has passed. I, I, I've seen this critique like, oh, I just watched Batman fail to do anything. And it's like, well, have you seen Zodiac? Have you seen Seven? Like, do you have you followed any police investigation? There's Dude, a lot you, of dead ends. Have you seen a movie? <laughs> I see. I see it genuinely. Dozens of critiques of this movie. On Twitter, and I don't want to say that there is no valid critique of this movie, but everyone that I end up seeing is I'm like, what the fuck have you been watching for the rest of your life where you think that nothing happened in this movie? Like, right. by by any by any estimation, this movie has a shit ton going on, so and it's much. three hours long, and it still managed to manages to be pretty fucking jam packed with events and character development like it people are just dumb i i'm honestly this is, starting to it's think not so. a it's not a good thing to say people are dumb when they disagree with you about art but like i want to stand up for this movie cuz this is you and i have been for the last few weeks i think we've been pretty tired of like the kind of baby brain <laughs> movies that I think we've been watching for the last two years. And this is a superhero movie, or rather a comic book movie, that genuinely has a not insignificant amount of genuine care and artistry. Yeah. Yes. Woven throughout it, like from the cinema cinematography to the music to the lighting, the costuming, the fact that Batman has this really cool full suit of armor and then just has boots yeah, like, just rocking the docks. Just rocking some Doc Martens because, again, like just all of these uh, hints and clues just building to like this is not full-fledged Batman yet. You know, everything is servicing the narrative and the story they want to tell in a way that is that is almost Hitchcockian in a way. Not quite so, but it, it is very detail-oriented. You have to look at all of the things in front of you. In order to understand what the story is trying to tell you. And I mean, if you compare this movie to, and I hate to beat up on this movie because a lot of people that I like a lot are in it. And one person from this movie is in it, but the Eternals, right? Right. I, I think there's a universe where the Eternals is a movie that's like full of artistry, but what, for the most part for big budget movies, especially like big ass grabbers, like the Batman or any superhero or comic book movie, what you end up getting is this like designed by committee neutered, like slop, not slop. It's like wallpaper paste. It's just this bland thing that has like all the artistic vision stripped out of it by various executives and committees and focus groups and i feel like the batman hung on to a little bit of that and for that at the very least it's esteemable 
Right. Yeah, it, it's it's WB right now is very hands off because they just they're when it when it comes to like with like the Joker movie that came out, they, they no executive stepped in to to curtail anything about that movie. Uh, and I think this the Batman movie is sort of the same way. Like WB's efforts and meddling is in their other properties right now. But I mean, not... they, they learned that if they meddle, no one likes their movies. Right. Um, so I, I think they're just kind of letting people like, oh, you want to do a fucking DC movie? Yeah, go ahead. Knock yourself out. You, we, there's no oversight. Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> we are reaching an interesting inflection point. Not to talk about the Deku <laughs> uh, too much, but like. I don't think there is one anymore. There really isn't in DC movies in general. Like we've seen birds of prey, the Batman, the suicide squad, uh, the, the new suicide squad we've been seeing and Joker. Yeah. Uh, you know, say what you will about that movie, but like those four movies combined are kind of more interesting than anything. Marvel has done in the same period of time. And sometimes more interesting than most other movies that are coming out in a given week. Right. Yeah. They're I mean, kind I, of, I, they're kind of killing it. I think they're doing really well. I mean, I've always been, I always, I've always liked DC kind of more than Marvel from just a, a uh, I don't know, just putting the two companies side by side, but I think they're just different experiences altogether. You're, you're not going to get, uh, kind of like a, a brain scratchy movie for Marvel right now, or within the next 10 years, uh, you're going to get really great, really entertaining films, films that will tug at your heartstrings and, and movies worth talking about. I don't know how we skipped over doing a Spider-Man no way home supplemental reading. Uh, but, Oh, but yeah, I think DC right now is just in a completely different space because they're not worried about continuity. They're not worried about making a, a, a similar feeling universe anymore because they tried and it didn't really work out for them. And so now they're just like, hey, we've got these properties. Superheroes are hot right now. Green light everything. Yeah. And, and I think they're benefiting from it. I mean, not to... Not to put too fine a point on it, but my genuine consensus of the Batman is I loved that movie. Oh yeah, I I, I loved <laughs> it's it. A great movie. If me gushing about it for the last hour is any indication, I adored. It's a little overlong, and there's a couple things I don't like. Oh man, fuck the fact that the Joker is in this movie, or at least heavily alluded to. I hated yeah. that. That that scene. Uh, this hasn't happened. In a really long time, but that during that entire scene, uh, where just that mouth is talking to Paul Dano, <laughs> that mouth, it was just a mouth, right? I, yeah, that's what I remember. Uh, my mouth, my jaw was just dropped. Um, in, in a good way. I was for a, for half of that scene. I honestly thought that was Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, oh no, that okay. If that was the case, fucking my head would have blown up. For half of that scene, I thought for sure 
that was Joaquin Phoenix. And like I was my brain was flooded with the thought, there's no way, right? If we ended up with a DC cinematic universe with Joaquin Phoenix, Paul Dano, Robert Pattinson, Jeffrey Wright, and Zoe Kravitz, it's done. Movies are over. Well, and so it wasn't, but I, I thought this would be so interesting to see a Joker who is like 50 or 60 years old mm-hmm. and a Batman who's 20, 25, not 20, oh, but like yeah. 25. I, that's a dynamic I don't think I've ever seen. I want to see that. Yeah, but then, you know, of course, it was revealed to not be Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, and then I just got really confused because I was like, why? Do we have to do the Joker? Next? If it's not Joaquin, who who fucking cares? I feel like these movies could do inter- could do very interesting things with any Batman villain, of which there are so there's so many. Fucking Why? give me a next one, Scarecrow. Scarecrow. If, if we want to go mainline, go Scarecrow. I don't I, care. Yeah, Scarecrow is one of the most fascinating villains of Batman, just because you can do whatever you want. With those visuals from his fear toxin. Or, that or could give be me really... Mr. Freeze. Make him a climate change guy. But We've make always... him a domestic terrorist climate change guy. <laughs> I don't care. I was just thinking about the last time. So the la- we, we've gotten so many different Jokers. We've gotten a couple of different Riddlers. We've only ever gotten the one Mr. Freeze and it's a disservice. Like yeah. no offense to Arnold Schwarzenegger. But we need a serious Mr. Freeze. We could – hell – I'd make Kite Man scary. You know, take a challenge upon yourself. Take one of the joke villains, Condiment King, Calendar Man, the Egghead. Take one of these, this this plethora. Batman is renowned for his fucking rogues gallery. Why do we only see the same three? Yeah, I, I think at this point, like, the Joker is so rote and uninteresting. And you know, you're just inviting comparison to Heath Ledger, which... For a lot of white men, is the the pen, like the ultimate Joker, yeah. and now you've got this Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Like we've got too many Jokers. There's just, too many. Just make it a different. Make walk your decision back, and make it a different villain. Yeah, I mean, this is riding on the back of not only two extremely laudable performances of the Joker, both in Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix, who was a good Joker for what that movie was. Uh, And in addition to that, you're riding on the back of probably the best comic books ever written, including The Killing Joke. Like, don't try. It's a crowded field. Like, you're going to fall short. You know who yeah. hasn't had a killing joke qual- quality piece of media? The Clock King. Oh, Clock King. The Mad Hatter. Anyone. Do a man bat. Like, come on. Do a mudslide. What's it? Clayface. Clayface would make an, ulth- an, an awesome villain. Listen. Just do any of the... They don't even have to have superpowers. Mr. Freeze could just be like a... A guy with a gun. He could just be a guy with a gun or a, or like a climate change domestic terrorist. Hell, I, like... <laughs> you already have Penguin in the movie and he was like an ancillary character at best. Just make him the villain of the next one. Yeah. Because it's a wholly different take than the Danny DeVito one. So we're already in the realm of difference. And Colin Farrell, again, 
for like the second time in his career, does a really awesome job being a villain. Please don't replace him. Bro, don't Two-Face. fantastic beast him. Give me Two-Face. The, the, I'm this... going to need some distance from Two-Face because I, I, I really feel like the Dark Knight did a really good job at, at, at a Two-Face. Fair. That's fair. I'm just saying Two-Face fits most easily into this mold. But yeah. I get it. I'm just saying the Joker, just don't do it. It's that was the only part of the movie that definitively made me cringe. I, I'm tired of the Joker right now. You know, it, I, it's especially with all the characters we just named. Heck, I would take a Harley Quinn absent of the Joker. Yeah, I take that. <laughs> I take a Harleen Quinzel. Yeah, Harleen Quinzel. Or just one of the other serial killers, you, you know? Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, give me a Poison Ivy. Give me a Zaz. Zaz. That's who. That's his name. Uh, like, Zaz would make such a good villain for the second one of these. And wouldn't it make sense? Like, okay, Gotham just saw, you know, this huge thing spurred on by a serial killer by the name of the Riddler. But, like, his methods were sloppy. What if Zaz is like, I got to show this city how a real serial killer does it. Yeah, just no riddles, just murder. Just murder, you know? And honestly, bring in Hush. We could do a Hush. That could be fun because, like, Bruce Wayne is out of the picture. What if a new Bruce Wayne shows up and starts messing with things? That could be fun. I mean, if I see these being a trilogy of movies, which I don't know if we'll get a a third The Batman, but, like, Hush has got to be the third The Batman movie, right? That would be really cool. Man, I'd love a good Hush movie. Yeah. It's it has it's never been done. Except for I think there's an animated version. And and this would be a good like this Batman is already neglecting his Bruce Wayne personality. Yeah. So like yeah, it would make sense for someone to swoop in and wreak, wreak havoc with his life. I I'm just excited, man. I don't know. Like I said, I I tried not to Generally, in these supplemental readings, I try not to gush. I almost said hush. I try not to yeah. gush about these things too much because for some reason, I think by the end, our verdict on it will be a surprise. It yeah. never is. I mean, we, ne- we we typically don't talk about movies we don't like. Yeah, we did talk about the hurricane heist. And we were on the fence about some of those Fast and Furious movies. It's true. You're right. But th- those were part of a series, and this is standalone. True. Well, speaking of verdicts, I guess we still have a scale that we rate these things on? Yeah, I can't remember what it is. I know I, it's not the one I think it is. I believe it's like it, love it, gotta have it, gotta have more of it. <laughs> or the inverse don't like it loathe it gotta have less of it or something yeah i mean without there's no reason to do any like presentation or pageantry with this i gotta have more of this no i i absolutely have to have more of this this is this was the most exciting comic book thing i had seen in a really long time yes there were there were missteps but like the fact that we're getting comic book movies on the screen with this degree of like artistry and skill and power and people are going to see them. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a good time. Yeah, I thought we were is, really yeah. in the doldrums with comic book movies, but we're in, we're in a good moment. 
Yeah, the Batman is just is doing numbers for WB at the box office. Uh and, and for comic book movies too, like not end game levels, but really good for just a new Batman movie. Yeah. Um and the fa- I think I've heard stirrings of rumors that we're gonna get a sequel, which is great, but I really love taking a comic book character and making a movie that feels like it comes from the comics. Yeah. You know, not adapting it to a new medium using the same characters, but really paying like honor and an homage to the source material, making a DC movie, a detective movie, because the D in DC stands for detective. I think the only time that I watched one of these movies and it genuinely felt like a comic book other than this was Birds of Prey. Because Birds of Prey straight up felt like a, like a Harley Quinn trade paperback. Yeah. I mean, Endgame to me felt like one of those big overarching uh, Crisis on Infinite Crisis yeah. on Infinite Earth shit. Yeah, that that that, that both Infinity War and Endgame felt like comic book movies to me. Yeah, I'd say in that's that regard. Fair. But the other one, like Eternals, felt like a good movie to me. I I, I don't know. I'm still on the fence about that one. I I don't like I said. I don't mean to beat up on Eternals. I think it just I just watched Eternals on a bad day. Yeah, and, and like so, the Suicide Squad to me felt like an Expendables, like a over the top, super big action film. It was good to watch. Like I enjoyed it. It made me laugh, but it didn't. Not it. it, it like you said, I guess there's artistry. There's care woven into every every detail of this movie in a way that those other movies feel more fly in your face or or just sort of like casual. Yeah, it's just nice to see people taking care of my bat boy. Yeah. I, and I, I said this when they announced Robert Pattinson is going to be the Batman. I think I said this on our show. As long as we're getting more Batman, I don't fucking care who plays him. You could cast him as a black woman. I'm here for it. I love the Batman. Give me more Batman. I mean, I think I could take less Batman sometimes, but this Batman, I'll take all this Batman I can get up to a point. This Batman gives me hope that one day we're going to get a really good Silver Age Batman, like with the shark repellent. I really want a campy Batman movie. I, I've got faith now <laughs> that that there are people out there like Matt Reeves who understand the different facets of Batman and how to bring them to the screen. So I, I'm just waiting for that one director to be like, I want to make a spiritual successor to the Adam West Batman. Let's do it. Yes. Adam West Batman played by Chris Pine. Cast it. Chris We're Pine? Done. Chris done. Pine? I think he could do it. No, absolutely. This this is my genuine number one casting choice for Silver Age Batman. Yeah, I thought I thought you were about to say Chris Pratt and I was about to have like a whole conniption fit, but Chris Pine would be great. No, yeah. he's Mario. And Garfield. And Ken Garfield. He's Gario. Gario. Yeah. So yeah, gotta have more of this. I'm happy to hear that we might get some now Matt Reeves moves uh he works pretty at his own pace, so to he speak. He moves in silence with violence. He moves in silence with violence. And not don't forget this movie was delayed two years, the one that we just watched. Yes. So Imagine if he's been working on other Batman. I so judging from his, his IMDB, because I looked him up right before this, he, he moves kinda slow. Yeah, he makes damn good ape movies though. 
He loves the eight movies. Also directed Cloverfield, so uh, what a directorial glow up this has been. Yeah. He actually directed, like, oh no, those are executive producers, sorry. Uh, directed. Why is that not his first credit? Um, but yeah, it seems to be like, yeah, there's a five year gap between War for the Planet of the Apes and the Batman. There was a three year gap between Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War of the Planet of the Apes. And then there's like a four year gap to his next title. And so it, it, it seems like, and I know movies take a long time, but it, this, this, this Matt Reeves character really puts his, his, his time and his effort into his work. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, yeah, I look forward to the next Batman eight years from now. Yeah. And I think if we expect it before then we're doing ourselves a disservice. This isn't like Marvel. We're not going to get a new one every year. No, I, and that's good. I, it's exhausting having a new Marvel movie every year. Four, four, four Marvel Marvel movies. Movies and the, God, and the spinoff I shows. I just don't want to watch them anymore. I just don't. They're over. Just so don't we don't, watch we don't them. need to watch, don't them don't anymore. watch them anymore. Although I saw a trailer for S- S- Mr. Strange goes to the store. <laughs> Mr. Strange goes to Washington. Oh, I uh, watched that. I, I would too. Well, Henry. John. I believe that about does it. I don't know how we end supplemental readings. Well, we usually tell people that, hey, this was a supplemental reading. If you like this, let us know because we'll do more. We love deep diving on a single topic. We hope you enjoyed our conversations today. But know that the discussion is never over and you too can join in the discussion and here's how. If you've got thoughts about the Batman you want to tell us, you want to make us make us know that we're wrong and that, that your opinion is the right one, tweet at us. Tweet at us. Wow, that was weird. Uh, send us a tweet on twitter.com at ZCPCWHJ. And John knows what that stands for. That stands for um, Batman. Yeah, that's right. Batman. If you if 280 characters isn't enough to contain your laborious thoughts about the Batman, and by laborious I mean completely justified, please send your essays to us, to our email inbox at email. At zerocredits.net. I tried to make that sound natural. That was email at zerocredits.net. That's where you can send your essays. Uh, we will grade you accordingly. I grade on a curve. Everyone passes. Uh, we're on a number of Spotify networks. <laughs> we're on a number of podcast applications. Whichever one you choose to use is fine by us. But if you could do us a favor and leave us a rating or a review on your app of choice we would greatly appreciate it we know you have a lot of choices when choosing what to listen to on to what and we appreciate you listening to us uh the the most important thing you can do for us however if you could just do this one favor tell a friend about the podcast tell a person on the bus about the podcast tell the person with the batman stickers all over their stuff that we just did an episode all about the batman and Point them in the right direction is where they can listen to us. Uh, Word of the mouth helps us out so much. And it is, in fact, the only way we can and will survive. Henry, I just had an idea. What's up, John? Killer Croc movie. I, again, kill, do a, do a the Batman in, in a complete horror style with Killer Croc. And I'm there for it. Henry. Gotham's flooded. 
Gotham's flooded. Killing ground for Killer Croc. It could be like, uh, what the fuck? Uh, what's his face? Just did this movie with the Gators in Florida. I fuck. truly don't know. It was like some director. Was it? It wasn't Sam Raimi. Now oh, forget it. But yeah, that would be really cool. Next movie: The Batman: Colon Killing Ground uh, <laughs> for Killer Croc and from Killer Croc. And as a matter of fact, uh, all of us here at the Zero Credit Supplemental Reading Batcave. Andy Circus was in the movie Gollum. <laughs> We'd like you. to wish you a happy week. Quick, Henry, do your best Andy Circus impression. Here I go, South Africa. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.